0: Get ready to explore the burden of judgment, the power of intention, and the transformative potential of cultivating a loving presence in challenging situations with D.W. Long. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang.
0: Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are exploring the mystical side of life once again this week. I have psychotherapist and somatic therapist Dan Long with me, and Dan is also the host of his own podcast called The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity. Welcome, Dan. Hey
1: there, Linda. It's so good to see you again.
0: (laughs) Dan had me as a guest on his podcast last year, and I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes for that. We had a fantastic conversation, and I just couldn't help but have Dan come and talk to us here. So, Dan, psychotherapy and somatic therapy, those are almost like two different worlds. We're talking mind and we're talking body and breath, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they marry well.
0: How did you step out of the kind of standard psychotherapist world and embrace some alternative therapies?
1: Well, you know, it all started from the beginning, really, because I was lucky enough to, when I was getting my master's in clinical social work, work with um, a woman who is a mindfulness teacher who was trained by Jon Kabat-Zinn. If you know anything about MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. You know, and she has, um, you know, a really unique perspective on what, how we should address using the Western medical model as a mental health practitioner. You know, what alternative things can make us a more holistic practitioner? So I started studying mindfulness. And what happened was, is that the more I got into mindfulness, I discovered some other modalities in mindfulness called, well, one called Hakomi, which is a mindfulness based um, somatic psychotherapy. So the first thing we do is is get mindful figuratively. And then we look at the body for answers rather than trying to overthink in a very cognitive behavioral therapy kind of way, which never really resonated with me because I tend to overthink anyway. So the body was was like a musical instrument singing to me saying, this is what's going on with you. If you would listen to me, I think I can help. (laughs) So I decided I wanted to work in that arena.
0: The body has its own wisdom, of course. There are so many alternative therapies that really tune into that body to help process and help mine for more wisdom. I'm sure you must find that as well.
1: Yeah, completely. And um, it's interesting because people come to me for support and they discover the aspect of the soma and the body speaking to them, either figuratively or literally, and it gives them a whole new perspective on the way they you know, walk their path after that. Um, so many times people have kind of a light bulb smack in the face. Wow, I had no idea this was going to be like this moment, which is fun to witness <laughs> because I had my own version of that.
0: <laughs> I'm curious. I've heard many therapists actually state that the body is the unconscious mind. What are your thoughts on that? Ooh,
1: that's interesting. I hadn't ever thought about that perspective, like specifically, you know, we look at the subconscious all the time and how it can drive things that we think we're not aware of, and how can we become more aware of that? And, you know, I'm sure you hear people talk about how can we impact the subconscious to get more in alignment with what we want to be in the world or how we want to live, you know, kind of from an ontological point of view, what's the quality of my being? If I can communicate with the subconscious, then that can, you know, um, impact the way I show up in the world. But this unconscious part is interesting, like the idea that the body is that.
0: Yeah, it's a manifestation of it. I have a little issue with that thought, though, and it has to do really with our human tendency to judge, because if we see someone that's, you know, overweight, disabled, uh, struggling in any way physically, you know, there could be that tendency of thinking, oh, that person has, you know, a ton of baggage, whereas a beautiful Person who looks like they have their stuff all together maybe doesn't. And I don't think that's accurate at all, at all. Sometimes greater awakened ones can reincarnate in a disabled body or a body that may seemingly, if we were going to hold that perception, might have baggage simply for the soul growth of the people around. And I think it's important to remember that there is more going on than
1: what meets the eye. I 100% agree with that. You know, I was having a conversation with someone about karma recently, and I think we'll have such a skewed definition of what that is. They don't really understand that it's about balance and not about some kind of weird slap in the face retribution from the universe because you screwed something up, you know? And so, you know, you see someone in a body that that isn't as, as we, as we might say in the physical plane, as high functioning as another body, Someone might say, well, that's karma. I mean, who knows what they did in a past life or whatever. And I'm like, "Mm, mm, 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 hang on, that's not a thing. Um, (laughs) Like you said, some people choose to incarnate in a body that might have challenges in order to move them further in their enlightenment. So, you know, yeah, judgment. That's a thing we talk about a lot in mindfulness, you know, and in the somatic work as well. Like, how can we stay away from judgment when our body is telling us things? It's very easy to say, well, I brought this on myself. You know, you'll see people who are diagnosed with a physical disease say, I did this to myself because I didn't work on my anxiety. And it's like, well, oh, we need to stop that. That's, that's actually exacerbating rather than, you know, creating something that's healing.
0: So Dan, how can we stay out of judgment?
1: For me, it's just a practice because I can be really judgy. <laughs> I can be very judgy towards myself. Um, I can look at someone in the street and find that judgment pops up. You know, it's a monkey mind symptom, really. In, in one way. Um, and so the practice of saying, oh, can I have enough awareness to notice my judgment in this moment? Um, and it's not for me about stopping the judgment. It's more about allowing what my true self is saying to me in that moment. Oh, do you really want to be that person? You know, is that who you're wanting to be? Is, is this part of your life path to be judging, you know, and anybody? And the answer for me is no, but I'm still judgy but I'm able to observe it in a new way. And that comes from practice. I think, I don't think it's a, there's a magic formula. I don't know about that. What do you think, Linda?
0: (laughs) Magic happens all the time. I think personally, but I guess I would say from my own experience, my own personal experience, what I tend to do is pay attention to the energy of things. So if I'm in Awareness, I can tell that energy shift when I start to move into judgment. And then I have the choice of whether or not I want to complete those thoughts or just notice that I actually have judgment. And there are certain people in my life that can kind of trigger that judgment simply because, you know, their actions are different than I would choose to do if I were them or. Perhaps I want the best for them, and I don't necessarily agree with their actions. But so what I typically do is use one of my healing techniques, and I shift that energetic reaction, pull out the root, and then I find there's way less, right? There's way less. So it encourages a healthier relationship between me and the people in my life. And I stop getting triggered by those same things. That being said, you know, maybe more triggers of different things pop up. So, this is an ongoing process that I use to help keep my own psyche, my own body, my own energy
1: system clear. Yeah, that's beautiful. And see, what I love about that is it's about setting intention, and that's energetic in itself. You know, talking to people about interfacing with, difficult members of their family or an office system that doesn't support their greater light, so to speak. And, you know, and they talk about then setting their intention to bring their most loving presence and then magic happens because that loving presence somehow shakes off the sort of the yuck of whatever thing is happening vibrationally there. And they're like, wow, all I did is bring me and my spark of divinity to that. And I didn't have to go and say, and you guys need to straighten up.
0: Exactly. And yes, that changes within you. But I mean, there's been so many times where that change within you triggers a change within the whole environment.
1: Yeah. it's And I hear people report that all I did is just set my intention to bring a quality of being that, that is in alignment with who I want to be and I think who I really am. And then they see the impact of that on the system. And it's, uh, it's that's, that's magical.
0: And how beautiful is that really? To be able to set that intention to just be yourself, rather than burden your psyche with the pressure of having to be perfect, having to be always loving, always peaceful, always wise, I mean, simply by being yourself. That's it.
1: Yeah, that is a burden. You know, and people come to therapy for that burden, you know, um, and I, people come to see people like you for that burden. And maybe you have to sometimes unveil that for them. I know that um, during the course of any kind of therapeutic work and then coaching work as well, you know, when people realize they've got some kind of construct in their thinking that's actually, you know, creating the burden because society has maybe programmed them, you know, it's like we need to show up in this way in order to be loved and accepted and and be told that we're worthy. It's like, we don't need to do any of that (laughs) actually because there's love everywhere. We're already worthy and acceptance. I mean, is that something that we need to work for? Um, because I feel like we shouldn't need to work for that. Acceptance is present. And if we surround ourselves with the right vibration, it's just there. You know.
0: Exactly, exactly. So what do you notice when people can step out of judgment?
1: Read them. That's the word. That's a big gift. Yeah, it is. Um, because if you think about even if you call them micro judgments, every time you do that, there's a burden energetically. You've then latched, if we take it from just a Western medical model, we've latched onto a thought that's going to have very s- specific firings in the brain. And then that judgment is is kind of hanging around like somebody put a fish hook in our, in our head figuratively. We're hooked then to that. That in itself is a burden because that's always going to be the tug we experience because we've chosen who that person is to us by the, the pathway of judgment. Whereas when we release ourselves from that, That person can be whoever they are anytime they show up in our presence. You know, you can't tell me that you won't have listeners, that I've got people who have met someone, thought they were a fill-in-the-blank thing I'm being polite, yes, and then met them later and thought, that person is very different than when I first met them, right? I don't need to attach any kind of judgment there because they showed up in a completely different way. You know, maybe it was an incredibly loving way, whereas the first interaction was not so great, yeah? But if they held on to the judgment, they wouldn't give that person the opportunity to shine their true light, which is a problem, I think.
0: And there's always that old adage of what you give, you receive from my training, perhaps in your world too, Dan, that when you talk about someone else, your unconscious mind is actually listening and projecting it onto yourself, that there is actually a little part of you that are these qualities that you judge.
1: Yeah, that is, that is a completely like, true thing in psychoanalytic theory and <laughs> in, in any sort of Western medical model modality for therapy. You know, the thing that you look at someone and then it brings up something in you is actually a reflection of something we'll say in therapy that maybe we need to work on. You know, if we take it from a very sort of like cut and dry sort of clean piece of paper, look at it energetically, it's much bigger than that. You know, not everyone is is open to that. I imagine. I am very open to that and I get it. So
0: that's one of the reasons why forgiveness work is so powerful, right? Because it's really yourself
1: that you're forgiving. I have found, you know, and I get people who, who argue that, you know, forgiveness isn't necessary. Like, okay, find perspective. The idea that when we forgive, we've released something that we've got to hook in from ourselves, even though the impact of our forgiveness on the other person might be incredibly energetically freeing for them, you know, it's so complex, but I love your idea there that we're, I don't know, what are we doing? Opening up a stopper for energy to flow through us like a conduit, which means other energy can come in, whereas holding on to not being able to forgive is perhaps like the judgment. It's almost a block. I would think it's a block energetically. Do you think that's a block energetically?
0: Oh, yeah, I think it definitely shifts how you process. Energy and your energy system, and it can actually create physical symptoms over time. Mm. How many people really understand that those things are impacting them on other levels than just the resentment that they're holding? Forgiveness is a powerful way to heal, but there's a step that's beyond or, or above forgiveness, perhaps, where forgiveness isn't necessary because it's not a thing. Right. And that's the level of compassion where we can just look and love that person and understand that, you know, the circumstances aren't really who they are and they're not made from their soul level. It's like a young child that's just learning and making mistakes because they don't know.
1: Mm, I love that so much. I love what you just said. Um, I, I think as a as someone experiencing this physical body, the higher part of myself or the connection to the higher self desires that so much to be able to be just in that loving presence. And and there's no need for forgiveness. It's just something that simply is over there. And there's so much love behind the experience and the connection and recognizing for me, another spark of divinity, which means that's me over there having that experience. It's the same as how I see things. To be in that thing that you speak of is just, oh, gives me gooseys. It's the best. <laughs>
0: That's the place to strive for, I think. And if you have to do forgiveness before you get there, beautiful and perfect in its own
1: right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love this conversation. This is great. It's the truth that you're speaking to here. The thing that I love to work with people the most on, I think, which is a lot of my work in this lifetime, is that. Whatever process I'm taking in the self-study or the personal development or the spiritual path, that not one single element of it is wrong. It just is an experience, and that experience is propelling us in forward momentum to whatever it is we're headed towards. And so if we have to practice forgiveness, if we say, I need to do that for myself, it's not a speed bump. It's it's actually something that's moving us forward because we're doing something with our intention, with our energetic field, that's taking us to the place, which I think is the place we're trying to get to, which is love.
0: I'm sure you must find in your work that doing your personal work does open up more spiritual aspects and that whole know thyself path that we're here for. Do you find a greater connection with your clients? Even if they don't intend it when they come, right? They're probably just really struggling. But once they start doing their work and shift their perspective, it's like that pathway or connection to the spiritual opens up.
1: Yes, I think so. In the mental health arena, we frame that in a very careful way. You know, whatever someone brings to the interaction. So they talk about their spirituality. And, you know, I've worked with everyone from Catholics to Wiccans to agnostics, you know, everything. Um, And if they bring that, it's useful. But the thing that you're signposting here, which I think is really interesting, and I do witness this, is that if we take an ontological look at our lives and we say, what's the quality of being I want to bring as I walk this path, right? And and some people will be like, oh, Dan, that's so Oprah or whatever. I'm like, but just look at it. You're getting up every day, you brush your teeth and you do the thing. And then you go back to sleep, right? And you do the thing. What quality of being do you want to intentionally bring? People do this practice, right, of, of setting the intention and exploring it. And then they notice that they have a much more expansive, spacious way of being in the world. And I've had people say to me who are completely like, no, we get in this body and then we're dead and it's over. I feel like I'm connected to everything in a way that I haven't been in my life. And I have a feeling that's a spiritual experience, Dan. Damn it. You know, it's, that's not what I was expecting. I've had people say that. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to church and I'm not going to start going and reading about blah, 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 but I've had an experience here that I'm grateful for. And that's all good with me. And that's a really beautiful thing for me to witness, you know, and I'm not trying to convert anybody into anything, but when people report that to me, Dan goes, oh, yes. Okay. Thank you for that. You know, that's just like more affirmation of who we are. What a beautiful shift, really. And scary sometimes. I think, you know, especially when they've pushed against it, you know, for whatever reason, you know, having been brought up in a religious household and then have decided that I can't do anything with that. So I will do nothing with it. And then to have an experience sitting with me that I'm not expecting, I just, we're just doing the work to see if their life can feel a bit better. And then they have this very spacious, like, wow, I'm connected to more beings in the world. And I didn't think, looking at myself on the inside was going to do that. I thought it was just going to make me feel stronger to meet the world. And that's different than that.
0: So, Dan, do you think that our judgments can
1: serve us sometimes? I think each person has to define that for themselves. I, as a practitioner, stay away from the word judgment, because for me, it brings up stuff around am I going to solidify something that I'm observing if I place judgment upon it? Now, yes, my better judgment is not to run across a, you know, a highway, barefooted, yeah, duh. And I might use that word, but when I'm thinking about self-study, I I think it depends on the person. Some people can say, no, I like judgment because I use my better judgment. I'm like, then that's great. Use that language if you want. For me, judgment, I'd rather use words like discernment or sussing out. (laughs) you know, or studying, exploring, being curious about and open to, right? And then that leaves my heart open and my mind as well, which can be very easily shut if I make up my mind about something. So I, I stay away from the word judgment, but I don't know. I'd love to hear what you think about that. Because for me, it's a word and it holds an energy.
0: It is a word for sure and holds an energy. And of course, part of every word is our own interpretation of that word. Mm. For me, a judgment can serve me. Even a negative judgment can serve me to show me where I still have work to do. And that's how I look at it.
1: That's great. Thank you for that. (laughs) That's a huge contribution to me because that's something I had some, a blind spot in just now. Yeah. How do we stay awake to recognizing that, you know, is, is a, as another question. You know, that we recognize that judgment as, as the thing that you're talking about that, that can shine a light on something that, oh, there's work to do. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the judgment, I think, as a human being and be like, yeah, there it is. And I see it for what it is. um And then just stay with that premise. <laughs> I'm, I know I've done that in my life, you know, and I probably still do it to a certain extent until I get the universe smacking me on the back of the head lovingly. And I have a moment either from someone showing me that that's not serving me in this moment, or I just wake up, you know, like, oh wow, that because it doesn't feel right, you know, somatic stuff. You feel it. I get it in my solar plexus to my throat. That's my big resonance in this body. Always tells me from the throat chakra right down into the solar plexus, heart chakra area, is if if I listen to that, my compass is true. Yeah. So when I don't listen is when I face plant.
0: <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit more about somatic therapy and how to actually tune into the body so we can
1: recognize stillness is difficult for people i find stillness is difficult for me so i'm not trying to project this on everybody but people who come to me often have anxiety um, and some depression sometimes but they have anxiety for whatever reason situational or you know they had an abusive household and they have a generalized anxiety disorder i don't really i'm not a huge fan of diagnoses it's solidifying things that have stigmas around them, and I think it does, you know, for the mind sometimes. So I don't do that in my practice. Anyway, I find that stillness, right, is the bridge to or the open gate to the thing we're talking about. So if we can achieve some kind of stillness through either a mindful breath practice, or we just sit and pay attention to the breath, and then the monkey mind comes in, we just go back to the breath, you know. And then the laundry list of to-dos, and we just go back to the breath. Somehow there's stillness in that. And then I find that, that figurative doors and windows fly open to have an experience that gets us into the thing we're we're looking at here.
0: And you can get really adapted that and have it almost instantaneously where you can feel your energy pull in or expand. And when you can do that in the moment, that really opens a lot of self awareness and really helps you with choices too.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, because um, the ICU you moment. You know, I have people who sit with me, and in the beginning, we do a little mindful work, and we start deconstructing the family system, yada yada. And then we start looking at the body. And then when they tell me something and they're having an emotion around that, you know, it's triggering figuratively. We we pause and we've done all this foundational work, and then we look at the body. And then they have a hard time sometimes. People will not be able to say, I don't know where I feel that in my body, or I don't feel it in my body, it's in my head, or, or whatever the experience is, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. And then with more work, then they suddenly have the experience of feeling something in their solar plexus, you know, and oftentimes it's men, don't know why that is, men who have the experience in their solar plexus, and it's difficult, and they fight it, and then when they allow it, they're like, I had no idea this was going to tell me so much. Yeah. And so that light bulb moment is is a, obviously, I think, a good one. And and so that's where the body plays the role, through stillness and practice of being with without trying to do anything. And then someone like me and like you, we ask the right question. We pick up on a, a nonverbal. We pick up on an energy, right? And we, we, as empaths, we sense it. And then we ask a question about that. And then it unlocks something. And then someone's rattling off about the experience that they've been struggling with. And then they realize, that's why my throat always seizes up. And whenever I get angry at her, I can never talk. And now my awareness has allowed that to open, and now I can say to her what I need to say. And that is, you know, kind of a mind blowing moment for I think many of us. I mean, it was for me.
0: And it really shows that energy is real.
1: Completely. It's <laughs> completely, completely proof. I mean, how else would you feel it if it didn't have an energetic element? There's no way you would feel it. One of the things I find
0: about judgment for many people. That at first, when that first thought comes into the head, sometimes it actually feels good. Sometimes it feels good. But then the more you communicate it to other people or sit in that energy of that judgment, it becomes a weight, becomes very heavy. Rather than having that judgment, just being a witness of what is, it has a stigma attached to it that is very heavy and can be difficult to remove if one isn't willing to remove it.
1: I love what you're saying there. You know, there's science behind that. I'm being a neuro geek. I mean, you know, my whole path when I was becoming a clinician was like, I need to understand the brain. And so I, of course, geeked out over over the last decade. When we have a, a judgment, let's say, You know, something occurs to us about an individual and we don't like, that fill in the blank will get what they blah, 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 because they, whatever the story is, yes. We fire the same neurotransmitters in our brain, right? We get a dopamine hit, you know, we get a norepinephrine hit, we get the same things going on. You know, the same thing happens in that moment of bitterness. We get a little pleasure out of it, yes, it's tasty, as we do when someone says, here's a brownie, you know, and we go, oh my God, that's so good, and then they make us laugh. The same things are happening, so no wonder it's addictive and how it, we can get entrenched in it. Yeah. So that awareness you talk about is where the work is. I wonder if it
0: happens because in that moment when you have that thought, you're making that person or that situation, that experience wrong, and you right, and that is what feels good. You being right.
1: That too. And isn't it lovely just to stand up on that lovely gold pedestal and just be in that, you know? I've had that experience, you know, until it gets slippery with the goo of our (laughs) whatever it is that's not positive there.
0: Or you get pushed off. Even better.
1: Yeah. You get pushed off. And if if you land just right, you wake up.
0: We are complicated beings, that's for sure.
1: Oh my gosh, yes how beautiful and what an adventure. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And we'd have it no other
1: way. Right. Yeah.
0: Do you have any tips for our listeners, Dan, before we wrap up?
1: You know, I would say from the place of my most loving presence is this is the big tip that, I, you know, I say to myself daily and I say it to everybody, can you, if, especially if you're listening to Linda and you're listening to me, you're here to study yourself in some way, must be, why else would you be here? Be gentle with yourself as you do this. Because when you study yourself, when one studies oneself, you find all the nooks and crannies with the poop still in there, and the prickly bits, and the gritty bits. And if you can look at that in a non judgmental way, like as a practice, ooh, I don't like that. However, that is an aspect of myself. And I'm willing to be curious and open about that. And if I can be accepting here, then I'm being very loving towards myself. And that's a very gentle way of studying oneself while we're in this body. If we can do that, I think we've got it made. Because we're all too conditioned to be tough and hard and and push and drive and if you don't get it, just get up and do it again in kind of a driven way. That's great. But can you get up and laugh and then hug yourself figuratively or real, (laughs) for for real, and then go, oh, sweet little spark of divinity, let's just see what happens if we do this again. That's very gentle.
0: Wonderful, Dan. And where can people find you if they want to know more?
1: Um, well, my website is mcscoach.com. Um, I am DW Long Official on Instagram. If people love to TikTok, which I absolutely do, I am at gabberflasted, and I flabbergasted backwards, um, and have a lot of fun on there. And that's uh, my largest um, social media platform. Um, and then The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity, where I have fun with sitting sitting with people like you and sometimes by myself. So, yeah, pretty easy.
0: Dan, it's been so much fun having you today. Thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you so much, Linda. I love sitting with you. And thank
0: you for listening to this week's edition of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find all of our conversations on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Come visit me at thoughtchange.com to learn what energy medicine can do for you. And we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.